As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Art of the Hustle is a production of iHeartRadio. You're listening to The Art of the Hustle, the show that breaks down how some of the world's most fascinating people have hustled and learned their way into achieving great things. I'm your host, Jeff Rosenthal, co-founder of Summit. And today on the show, I had the pleasure of chatting with Patrick Maloney. Patrick is the founder and CEO of Inspire Clean Energy, where he leads the execution of its mission to transform the way consumers access clean energy and accelerate a net zero carbon future. A lifelong entrepreneur in the energy and technology spaces, Patrick is dedicated to building world-positive businesses that align profitably with purpose. He founded Inspire with the vision to answer the call of millions of consumers demanding action on climate change by empowering them with tools to make a sustainable impact. Patrick is a nationally recognized leader in the clean energy technology sector, having received numerous awards and recognition from the likes of Forbes, Fortune, Fast Company, and was selected as the 2018 Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year in clean tech and renewables for his outstanding vision and achievement. Prior to Inspire, Patrick worked in venture capital and served on the founding teams of two of the fastest growing and most successful ventures in the competitive energy landscape. He joins us to talk about living in the age of electrification, curating a consumer-led marketplace for clean energy and the intersection of commerce and doing good for his company, our planet, and the future. Please enjoy my conversation with Patrick Maloney. Patrick, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jeff. Long time no see. I know. What's it? Has it been uh, a week or so? How long has it been? Uh, around that, Patrick and I are dad bros. We take our boys to the, to the beach together on a weekly basis. We do. We do that. The double dad life is, uh, I think, I think we're wearing it well. Fortunately, our wives have, uh, I think, been pretty happy with us, but nothing more magical than seeing our kids out there playing on the beach uh, where we can hang together. 
Well, I think the most brilliant thing either of us I, I did in our careers is uh, actually in our households, we married up. <laughs> Significantly married up. Uh, you know, it's always good to kind of set a long pole that you have to reach for. I think you actually told me a quote once, which I always really loved, which was, you know, my, my grasp far extended my reach. And I think yes. that uh, that applies here as it relates to the, the women we were lucky enough to marry. Well, I'm a big fan of yours, as you know. I, I love Patrick. You're such an inspiring guy. I mean, like you're an amazing entrepreneur. You know, you've built a number of really impactful energy ventures over your career, and now Inspire is inspiring, man. Thank you. It's. Uh, I think like you, I've, you know, I've had a chance to kind of take a step back and listen to some of your podcasts, and I always just love how you do always reference the power of the community that supported you. And I think that also couldn't apply more than here. You know, it's sometimes we, we get to, to take the credit, but the reality is there's always been a kind of groundswell of people behind us, you know, customers, you know, mentors, supporters, and candidly folks like you that have created such amazing communities that have actually, you know, allowed things like, you know, inspire to to kind of grow and thrive. So we're grateful to have it. Well, and I know that's deep in your own personal entrepreneurial history, you know, mentors and people who are experienced seeing your talent and giving you an opportunity to step into the game. You know, Inspire is really a new type of energy company uh, that has simplified and automated and make, made experiencing, you know, choosing clean energy rewarding and helping us use less of it. And, and how many, and it's over, what, 100,000 or so customers now around the country, correct? Yeah, we have, we have about a little over two hundred thousand active wow. subscribers. Yeah, on platform today, and you know, it's. I think it's interesting when we take a step back. I think when we first launched the business in two thousand fourteen, it's kind of just a simple view that we thought that someday there might be a significant number of people that you know might really believe clean energy was important. I don't think we could have forecasted that you know a few years later. You know, there'd start to be kind of millions of people marching in the streets, kind of demanding action on climate and, mm -hmm. you know, kind of believing clean energy was important to that future. And so it's, it's been a wild ride, but we're, we're grateful and hopefully just getting started. And tell, tell the listeners a little bit more about like the foundational principles of Inspire Energy. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think, you know, first what I'd say is, you know, really what we're trying to do every day is just accelerate the path to a carbon-free future. And, you know, for me, as I took a step back, I actually first entered the energy space kind of the day after I graduated and the founding of a venture within that, you know, within that category. And what I did not know at the time was that the energy sector, specifically electricity, was the number one source of carbon emissions at the global level. And, you know, I think through the process of coming to that awareness and then realizing that the same carbon emissions were actually also driving, you know, kind of a significant impact and change to our climate is what really drove me to just believe that we needed to create a company that in success would rapidly decarbonize the grid and ultimately reverse the trend that I think we're all seeing. And so, you know, for me, it's just, it felt like energy needed its Amazon moment. Mm -hmm. You know, as, as we looked out and saw, you know, kind of all of the world's greatest companies were consumer centric technology companies. And then you looked at the energy landscape and kind of realized that while there's so many amazing things that have been done, really, I believe one of the you know, kind of greatest modern marvels of the industrial era was the creation of our electricity grid system. 
Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, what was missing was just the digitization of that and the consumerization of that. And so, you know, what we set out to build was just a completely virtual energy platform that would make it easy for consumers to just begin to access clean energy anywhere by providing it on an unlimited basis as a flat kind of monthly subscription at home or out of home to power your life and you know do that in a you know couple minute sign up. And so that's kind of what we've been working on for the last five, six years. So the the disintermediation of the consumer and their power supplier. Yeah, I mean, I think the simple way to think of it is just, you know, what we needed to do is create technology that allowed consumers to free themselves from this old kind of monolith and then be able to then access the sources of power and the clean energy technologies that candidly are powering every piece of our life. We're now living in this, what I, I always call it, it's the electrification of everything. Right. Every single thing we have right now is powered with electricity, whether it's our phones, our headphones, our, you know, our, of course, our homes, our cars. You know, I think we, you probably saw just, you know, two days ago, Governor Newsom now outlawing, you know, gasoline powered new vehicles by 2035. I mean, we're, we're living in the, the era of electrification. And while that's amazing, we need to ensure that all of that power is coming from renewable sources. And so what we really needed to do is build this kind of virtual energy platform that allows consumers to get on that platform, power their lives with renewables, and just do it in a frictionless way that you know, gives them unlimited access. I, I recall the days before Nest. It's just incredible that like you know nobody had sort of made that jump to our level of, uh, I guess, user interface design that we expect out of the things that we go from like a nice to have and something like a digital air conditioning interface is is nice. It's better than analog, but it doesn't break into the fun category. It doesn't, you know, <laughs> it doesn't return any serotonin or dopamine loops to me. Whereas like, you know, my Nest does. And I had never considered energy being something that you could take to the consumer in this way. It feels like it's something that's like buried on a bill that comes once a month that I didn't know I had any control over. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's exactly the point. In the same way that Amazon created a website that allowed you to access any of the world's products in a simple, seamless way, we needed to create a digital product that would allow consumers to access the clean energy products, whether that be the power that powers their home or the devices in their home that give them more control but save energy, the solar storage, and you know, in the future, kind of the electric mobility technologies, you know, they need that freedom in just kind of a completely virtual energy platform. And so that's kind of for us, we're just really trying to build that top to bottom platform and just hopefully mm-hmm. empower this next generation of, of consumers that seem to care a lot about these issues. We care a lot about these issues. We also have like, you know, loss aversion and, you know, we value our time and our convenience. Like I'm definitely against the destabilized Congo. I still use my iPhone with Colton that was mine from there. I just can't even imagine if every time you ordered something internationally, you had to fill out customs forms. And that's why it just always comes back to, again, the consumer. How do you build a consumer-facing kind of digital experience that disintermediates everything downstream just to give them the power to choose you know, what they want, when they want it, and ideally do it in a way that you know, enlightens them uh, in their experience? I know that Inspire has a focus on new generation, but do you mind unpacking that a little bit further? What I would say is, you know, the, the energy sector, again, specifically the electricity sector, it, it's a really challenging you know, kind of area. And the reason is because, you know, ultimately the, the laws of physics 
kind of prevent, you know, an electron going from, you know, point A to point B. It's just, yeah, it's going to follow the path of least resistance. And so, you know, the world has kind of thought really long and hard about how best to solve that issue so that when Jeff Rosenthal says he wants to adopt clean energy, or wants to use clean energy to power his home, like how do we actually make that happen? How do we allow Jeff to take claim to that and to actually support those resources? And so, you know, what Inspire did was it said, listen, we need to build a piece of technology that sits on top of the grid that allows Jeff Rosenthal to say, if I want to adopt clean energy, I can join the Inspire platform and then Inspire can connect me through to those environmental resources that then ultimately power Jeff's home. And so I think that's kind of the interconnection play that needed to take place. And I think that's kind of where we've really focused. In terms of the way we think about, like, you know, what is the principles of the generation we seek? You know, we, we seek to always purchase from, you know, newer generation facilities, predominantly wind and solar facilities that kind of align with, you know, just providing the highest quality renewable resources to the grid. And, you know, when you're buying from Inspire, you can kind of know that you're directly supporting those resources, even though the exact electron may not come into your house because we didn't actually put a windmill in, in your front yard, right? We kind of have to build that connection layer so that you can access those things. A lot of it comes down to figuring out, like, how do we empower Jeff Rosenthal to say, in less than five minutes, I want to eliminate my carbon impact is the whole world is going net zero carbon. How can we bring that down to the individual consumer? And that's how we think about kind of building this virtual energy platform to make that connection. You know, one of the things that I often steal from you and don't attribute when I'm talking <laughs> to other friends is, is how you talk about energy and power and electricity as an enabling technology. Do you mind unpacking that a little further? You know, one of the things that I think has always been kind of a, for me, an organizing principle is that you know, if you want to create the Amazon moment in this space, you have to focus on the consumer. You know, we kind of need that consumer to be king. We, we need retail to become a digital transformative consumer experience. We need, you know, same thing as media with Netflix or, you know, kind of hospitality with, with Airbnb. We, we kind of need that same moment to happen here. And if you start there, then you'd say, well, you know, electricity, you know, nobody goes to their, their light you know, switch and says, you know what I want to do right now? I want to, I want to use some electricity, right? They, they go to that light switch and they say, I want light. And so when I think when you kind of, when you make that leap, you start to say, okay, cool. Well, then how do I improve the experiences of getting light? Or how do I improve the experiences of getting mobility? Or how do I improve the experiences of my climate through my thermostat technology? When you solve those, those actual consumer needs, you can ultimately then transform the source of that power and ensure it's all, you know, it's all being powered through you know, net zero carbon technologies. You, know, you need to create sustainable social impact. And to me, the way to do that is to figure out how do you build impact in a way that's intrinsic to your business model. I mean, by virtue of success, you are in, you know, having a one-to-one -one accretion to your ability to have impact. It's, it's when they become you know, a side CSR project that it becomes unsustainable. We just try to align everything top to bottom and say, by bringing a new subscriber onto our platform, this is going to immediately eliminate 8,000 pounds of coal from, you know, from having been burned or you know, the carbon emissions associated with that. We need more users on platform. We need to solve more of their problems so more users continue to join. 
We'll be back with more Art of the Hustle after the break. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, I know you grew up in Chicago with just your mom, correct? Yeah, that's right. That's right. What sort of things do you think, you know, have emerged for you that you apply to your own home or to your work that, you know, come from that period of your life? You know, I often like to take a step back and, you know, when I'm interviewing folks to join, inspire, just, you know, generally, I always like to just start with the question of kind of tell me the story of your life and, you know, start at the beginning. And, and I think for me, when I take a step back and really think about what the beginning of that story was for me, it kind of goes back to that first memory I had, you know, as a child, it's like literally the actual first memory I, I can recall. And it was actually me sitting on my front porch with my mom and my sister next to my side, watching my dad walk away to his car to, to never come back. And 
I think when I think about that moment, and, and this is, of course, a story that so many, I think, people in this country experience, is the, the experience of growing up in a single-parent household and watching kind of the plight of the, the single mother. And candidly, the lessons that you learn in watching what you know a single mother has to go through to figure out, you know, how do I, how do I put food on the table? How do I have the resilience and optimism to keep this family together? How do I, how do I just keep it together, candidly, while also you know doing everything else that life requires? I think there's so many lessons and so many parallels that I take from that moment. And as much as that may have been a challenge growing up, I probably have said many times to myself that I, I'm actually really grateful that I had to go through some of that adversity. And as much as I feel bad for my mom for having you know had to have lived through it. The lessons you learn that you take forward from an entrepreneurship, you know, from an entrepreneurship perspective, and just from a life perspective, are probably things that that guide me the most today. Right, this, the relentlessness and persistence that's required to build a company from a piece of paper through to scale is the same thing that I think my mom felt when you know she was left with no money and two kids and you know just a mortgage and had to go figure it out. And I think that the other thing that comes from the type of experiences and, and frankly, just any sort of like, you know, trauma that we experience that also leads to a lot of empathy, you know what I mean? And sympathy for other people um, and what they're going through. And, and, you know, relentlessness is one component of being like a really great entrepreneur for sure. It's impossible to do without it. But I think that that next level up is these things like sympathy and empathy and human relation and like just frankly being a good leader. I don't necessarily see myself that way as like a talented leader. I've never really been like the team captain. I, I love being an organizer. I love being on a team, but I've always respected, you know, captains, frankly. And you're a captain. You got captain energy. So I'm <laughs> you, when you, you know, so again, like we're, we're talking about like the formative years and experiences. Yeah. You know, like that relentlessness piece, does that resonate with you? Do you think that the empathy and sympathy part has been as important? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, for me, a couple things have been true, and especially at Inspire is just this desire to just lead passionately and authentically through how I really feel and what I really value. And I do think that a lot of that I, I personally ascribe to kind of growing up in that single parent household with just an amazing mom who is unbelievably loving and, and a sister who is also an amazing support system. And, and just bringing that energy through to guide an organization with empathy and, and authenticity is, to me, what I've always kind of found to be a little bit of a, uh, I always say it's like a happy accident, meaning I didn't realize what it was. But the deeper I kind of began to just lean into that, the more I found it gave me just the power of community and the power of real connection. And I think for me, it's interesting when I think back to kind of some of the stories that, that I remember at Inspire, yeah, I remember there was a, a phase early on when you know, was starting up and beginning to build the business and build out our team and and maybe there was a moment when I was not always making all of the decisions through the lens of what I was really kind of purpose-driven or passionate about. And I remember in all of those moments, I made the wrong decision. And ultimately, you know, there came a time when I realized that I needed to make a significant change and indeed kind of made a very significant change to the culture and staff. And I remember kind of sitting there and just saying, 
listen, I don't care. But what I what I care most about is that I'm going to come to work every day and build a, a company based on purpose and build a company based on mission. This is what drives me. I believe we need to attack climate and we need to do that through accelerating the clean energy transition. And it, it turns out that when you lead through, at least for me, what I've found is when you, when you lead so, so clearly and so deeply and so authentically through that mission and that purpose, there might just be a lot of people, if it's noble enough, that actually also care about that same thing. I know you've been you know, transitioning and hiring really amazing people. Has that been hard for you to like let go of your attachment or direction of certain components of the product? Or has it just been you know, a, a true pleasure when talented people join the, the cause? I'd say I feel very lucky to feel like I... I generally approach life from the perspective of, of I don't know. And I think from that perspective, it allows me to just be endlessly curious about learning. And that means that there's uh, so much I can learn from every single person, whether that be you know, a new entry-level employee that's joined our business or you know, the opportunity to learn from some of the world's greatest thought leaders you know, in the clean energy transition or kind of climate you know, fight. So I think throughout this journey, if I, if I had to say the thing that kind of really guides my energy the most, it's just this constant opportunity to learn and grow and thrive that makes it so that you know, every new moment and every new transition to me, even if it's hard, is just kind of seen through the prism of what an amazing opportunity to learn, what an amazing opportunity to grow. And there's kind of no point that's more clear in that journey than when you bring on a new leader, a new executive, a new manager, director that just has a set of experiences that you do not have, whether it be personal or professional. And then if you, you know, just starting from that position of learning, just, you know, the opportunity is just to aggregate that knowledge and to learn and to then empower those folks and kind of coach and develop them to, to find their, you know, their greatest you know, their greatest joy. And what an important message for the moment that we're all in during COVID and, you know, the social upheaval that we're all experiencing right now. But, uh, but in this moment, I find that, you know, the, the companies that we see thriving are the ones that, you know, are sort of breaking the shackles of self-definition and really like honing in on the core and highest purpose those organizations can provide. And I see a lot of organizations that are also just sort of like stuck in neutral, sort of waiting this out. I remember, you know, uh, I think, I guess it was maybe end of March of this year, I think as the world was really just beginning to realize that everything was going to shut down and that, you know, we were about to find ourselves in the midst of this pandemic. And, you know, kind of looking out at our executive team and just saying, you know, listen, this looks like it's going to be a real thing, but it's in the moments of adversity like this that the greatest opportunities present themselves. And I think the opportunity for us is to ask ourselves, how are we going to take this moment and use it as our moment to create the most amount of opportunity for our mission, for our cause, for our employees, for, you know, for everyone. And I think that that's, it's been an inspiring rally crawl across a rally cry across our organization that's resulted in just, you know, continued transformation, really just an acceleration of everything that we've been doing. And I think what's been so lucky is it seems like we're now finally at the moment. We used to say, you know, we, we think clean energy and the energy transition is going to be inevitable. We're not sure if it's imminent. And I think as we take a step back, it, it feels like for some reason in 2020 of all the things that we've observed and 
you know, so many challenges that the world has faced. It does feel like in this year, we've now finally seen this, you know, this reality that the world now seems to think that this transition is imminent. You know, it's, we've always known it's been inevitable, but now the tailwinds, I've, I've never felt the kind of tailwinds that we feel today. And candidly, it's a bit disorienting, but really in, in energizing at the same time. Art of the Hustle will be right back after this short break. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, I think about when you talk about like wanting to get things done, there's the simulation of the thing in your head and then there's just like the actions, right? And like, it's so encouraging to see, you know, a generation below us really leading a lot of like the modern protest movement around the world and in this country, because it's like people actually sacrificing their own comfort for the rights of others. It's so encouraging. And similarly, when you look at like technological evolution for humanity, in 1959, we couldn't break the Earth's atmosphere. And by 1969, you know, through the space program, we landed a man on the moon. So 
I mean, for you, like, where does this take your head? Like, what's the, what's the future that you want to live in? Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, we need that exact type of transition to occur within, you know, the energy transition if we even hope to have a chance at addressing, you know, the climate crisis that we're all experiencing. And so I think there's a graph that I often point to that shows carbon dioxide levels over the last 400,000 years. And then what we see what's happened over the industrial era, where that's now gone to consistently historic and repeated highs, and then how that correlates with temperature and what that future looks like if we don't begin to address that change. I think what we said, you know, the, the climate crisis is truly you know, going to be the defining issue of our generation. And at the same time, it's also, I believe personally, the greatest financial opportunity. And when you find the intersection of those two things, the opportunity to do well and do good, you, know, you truly have the greatest, I think, personal you know, kind of uh, opportunity that, that could exist. And so that's, I think, where we look at first. But I think what's always missing from that is just the consumer sentiment. And again, when we first launched Inspire in 2014, you know, there was a small segment of the consumers that really seemed to kind of resonate with this, you know, clean energy value proposition and you know, believed it was going to be important to our future. And now we sit there and look at a world and we find that, you know, nearly, you know, eight in 10 people in this country believe the clean energy is important to our future and that we need to be investing there. And so, you know, the, the politics will kind of lead you to believe a different set of facts than, you know, what people will actually tell you when you survey and for different reasons. You know, I think that the reality is that it seems like that consumer bellwether has finally shifted and, and we're seeing it again at the global level, whether that be the federal, you know, the global governments. And then we find that down at the corporate level with folks like Amazon and their climate pledge. I don't know if you saw you know, yesterday, for an example. You know, them now looking to kind of label their products on the Amazon marketplace, you know, as you know, kind of socially responsible, aligned with their climate pledge. That's now the largest pledged endowment in climate is the Beza. I believe it was what, 10 or $20 billion they just set aside that they intend to dedicate to the climate fight. Exactly. Exactly. Incredible. And so, so it does seem like that consumer bellwether has finally shifted. And it seems like, it, you know, I, I think we're seeing that transformation take place. And that's encouraging to me when it's led by the customer. I think that, you know, fortunately, I'm, the with, it, I'm with it to a degree, but just in this example, like, you know, part of the reason why, you know, the Amazon and the extended family has the resources to make that kind of a pledge and that, you know, like we all need that in our, you know, karma is that we're all consuming more every day, like every household, everywhere. I believe at the start of the pandemic in the US, 4% of Americans were getting groceries delivered. Now it's 40. And I don't know about you, but every time that happens at my home, there's like the silver, like, like refrigerator bags and there's all the paper bags. And there's like, I don't know, I feel like every American that has the means is consuming more and more. And I think that's a global trend. And frankly, a lot of the people that hold environmentalism in their hearts and and like and externally define themselves as environmentalists are also part of those consumers, right? Like they're the ones taking more flights, eating steak on a more regular basis. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm curious how you think about this because there is this like interesting push-pull to where like we seem to be on this endless you know, like uncontrollable urge to consume as a species. And yet we also recognize that it will be our 
death, right? Like we will be, and, and I guess to put it in really like stark terms, like when, when you say, you know, the, the, the defining generational issue, not to take away from anything that's happening today, but when like, you know, 18 of the most populous cities in the world have to like relocate or where, you know, like rivers flood and, and, you know, wars begin like this, a lot of climate and food based issues are the reasons for, you know, the wars of the last thousand years. Right. So it's like, um, I'm just curious, like, you know, I, I think that I agree with you. I am also encouraged, but I'm also a little afraid of our nature. Yes, I think I think you're I think you're right to be afraid. And I think, you know, to your point, if you look at that same chart, I was just referencing, it's been the last 100 years that you see the massive up into the right. And that's been just driven by, well, really, you know, a the industrialization of our economy, and the ability to consume at those levels, right? We've industrialized every major segment of the economy, and have created for us the opportunity to massively you know, produce carbon in the process of that. At the same time, what we're seeing is now the electrification and decarbonization of all of those activities. And so I think that, you know, when I take a step back and look at those activities, yes, we're consuming more. And yes, that is why we need to ensure that we're decarbonizing the value chains of all of those activities to then result in, you know, the ability to consume because consumers are absolutely going to continue to seek to live their lives in a more frictionless way. What we can do is solve the issues of decarbonizing the value chains that have gotten to those products. I hear you. And you guys are at sort of like the bottom of the pyramid. Like if if a coal-fired power plant provides my electricity and that's what's powering my electric car, I'm still in, you know, a carbon negative cycle but if I can, you know, start at the basis of like where this is being generated, then everything down that value chain you're saying has the opportunity to decarbonize. Right. The whole world is becoming electrified. Every, you know, every, every single piece of our economy will, will ultimately become electrified over time. And what we there, what then, then, what there then follows is we need to ensure that all of that is coming from you know, net zero carbon forms of production. Well, dude, I, I think this has been an incredible interview. I really appreciate you letting me just pepper you with questions across <laughs> your personal history, inspire, and then just global macro issues. No, man, I'm so grateful to have been able to, to join. As I shared, you've, you've always been an inspiration to me and so many entrepreneurs you know, like me. I, I know that there's so many people within the summit community that you know have have uh, emboldened their commitment to you know having purpose and creating purpose driven businesses really due to your leadership and the leadership of summit so really honored to be able to be a part of it with you and to share this life with you bud well thank you thank you patrick thank you for joining us on the podcast and if you want to learn more about uh, Inspire Clean Energy, head over to inspirecleanenergy.com. And I believe you guys are about to scale nationally, correct? That's right. Yeah, we're now in the process of beginning to open up our platform nationally um, throughout uh, really this year and uh, in 21. All right. Well, thank you again. Lots of love and uh, see you next time. Awesome. Thanks, Jeff.
For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.